Hi everybody, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, and today I have Nikita Prokrop, who is a former guest. He was on, uh, I believe, during my first season of My Creative Life, and he's back again to talk to us about his wonderful graphic design work that he does and his teaching. Hi Nikita, thank you for being on the podcast again. Hey Nancy, thanks for bringing me back. So happy to be here. I know, it's interesting times that we are in. Um, yeah, days. it's uh, quite unusual, quite different uh, from what we, from what the circumstances were when we talked last time. I know. Who would know that um, things would change this much? But as a refresher for the audience, can you tell um, everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, I'll try to keep this short, sweet, and not too boring. Um, I'm a lettering artist and graphic designer. I've been living in New York for about 10 years now, almost 10 years. So I almost officially made it as a bona fide New Yorker. Uh, currently, I'm hiding out in Connecticut from everything ranging from the coronavirus to lack of toilet paper and uh, handy wipes in New York City to avoiding people in general. But I'm still teaching remotely full time online for Shillington, which is uh, my New York City is my home campus. And I'm doing a little bit of freelance work here and there and just exploring some personal projects on the side and trying to stay sane like we all are. Yes, that's true. We're just trying to get by as creatives. And um, oh, and then also you have done guest speaking on your graphic design work, um, your ambigrams and things like that, because um, I don't think you mentioned that. Oh, um, well, I was going to keep it short, sweet, and not too boring, but OK, I'll be happy to mention that. Um, a couple of years ago, I think this is after we talked the first time, I went to the Australia to be a keynote speaker at the Typedism Lettering Conference. I also did an Ambergram workshop there. And I just recently recorded a short, uh, literally a 15 minute Ambergram workshop, essentially going through one of my Ambergrams and how I get to it from point A to point B. And that was for the How Design Live uh, conference that just took place virtually a few weeks ago. So um, You have been quite busy. Man. Yeah, you know, in this, in this, especially in this day and age and in this current context, cultural climate, I'm very, I'm grateful to have a full-time job. I'm grateful to be employed. I'm grateful to be busy. And if I don't get enough sleep one night, you know, it's okay. I'll get sleep the following night or the following weekend, but I'm thankful and grateful to be busy. So has it, uh, the pandemic, has it affected your freelance um, or like, you know, how has it also affected your teaching and your freelance work? Well, my freelance, I haven't really been doing much of freelance at all uh, since I've started teaching, just a, mostly a one-off lettering piece or ambigram or a project here and there. So I haven't actively focused or pursued freelance. So that hasn't really changed much at all. Uh, teaching, on the other hand, has uh, morphed quite a bit because we went, let's see, in end of March last year. Oh, no, sorry, not last year. Wow, time flies faster than in my mind than it actually does. Um, in end of March of this year, yeah. I ended up coming back to Connecticut for what I thought would be just a few short weeks when this pandemic, quote unquote, blows over. But it turns out it would be for much longer than that. And uh, shortly after that, uh, my school transitioned to full online teaching until the end of the current semester, which was uh, middle of April. Then they made a call at the end of that semester to not have any full-time sections register across all campuses for next semester. So just wrapping up some part-time classes. And I was teaching one of the part-time classes that was ending in July. So once that wrapped up, then in September, just a few months ago, they started doing full-time enrollment again, but it's all remote for now. 
And they also made a judgment call the next semester, which is from beginning of January until middle of April, that's also gonna be remote. And then they'll kind of gauge the situation, see where the pandemic situation is, see what the rules in New York are, because it's gonna be different from city to city, state to state, county to county. And then we'll probably go back uh, to teaching in person, but once again, if all the circumstances are right. Wow, I mean. Yeah, so. Have you trans? Have you felt like you've overall transitioned well to just doing the virtual teaching? Has it been fairly smooth? Well, you know, I think that that's where you have to be grateful to kind of the content team and uh, some of the some of the higher ups that kind of developed the framework for the teaching process. Um, I think the transition, of course, anytime you go from one environment to the other, especially from in person to virtual. There's its own sets of challenges from technical to simply explaining and uh, getting feedback across to students. But the way that it was set up from the get go, I think there were so many ways, so many touch points with students because we use Zoom for live, live in class scenarios. You know, we keep it like any classroom. We keep music going in the background. There's always a teacher here who can answer questions or help with something. Uh, we do remote or sorry we do recorded and live lectures and demos as well we have multiple touch points on slack on canvas which is our internal system we use for you know assignment submission and grading and quizzes attendance you know as a lot more of the administrative um, aspects of the course and there isn't much change in terms of the workflow the, the way we teach it's just adapting it to the remote environment which has been a challenge. It's an, I, won't, I won't lie and say, oh, it's a piece of cake. It's no big deal. It hasn't had an effect on me. It has an effect and everyone took time adjusting it, students and teachers alike. But it's, uh, it's going really well, actually. There, I have no complaints. The only complaint is you know, staring at the computer for so long, but we're designers, you're illustrators. We sit in front of computer screens anyway. So it's just a matter of kind of getting up from the screen here and there and really taking maybe more frequent breaks or just looking away from the screen for a few minutes. and. Um, it's been okay, you know, adjustment period aside, it's been okay. Yeah, you're a trooper, you are. I mean, it's, it's um, a change to, you know, for, like I've been just doing e-learning at SCAD and that's been mm -hmm. fine. That's actually, because I started out as e-learning, it wasn't a change. <laughs> it was like, it felt, okay, well, it's basically kind of the same. Um, I will start next quarter with one of my classes where we'll do Zooms at the time that um, the class actually meets. So I'll try that out and see how that goes. But overall, um, I haven't felt like it really changed because that's what I was doing. So, um, but yeah, the professors have worked hard to, you know, bring about more engagement as far as workshop Zoom sessions and things like that and whatever help we needed and stuff. So, well, I'm glad it hasn't been much of a change for you. I can, you know, putting myself in our students' shoes yeah. is definitely challenging because now a lot of them are either living at home or living with their partners or living with their kids or living with their dogs or everybody in that category. And it's really challenging because for some, the school and you, you, as a student, you'll probably know this as well. For some of us, the school is an escape. Not necessarily a bad escape, but it's a good escape where you get away from the monotony of living with family or with roommates or you know, living with significant others. You get a chance to escape, be with like-minded people, do design work, talk design ideas, talk shop, learn new things, laugh, kid around, and it's great. And then when, that kind of, when it's kind of taken away, it's a bit of a challenge mentally and physically. So uh, for the students, I'm sure it's a much bigger adjustment than for us as teachers though. Yeah, that's probably true. And I think um, 
it's probably a little bit harder making relationships with, because I felt, feel like, um, at least for graduate school, a lot of it is like building those relationships with your peers. Like I didn't do that as much in my undergrad and it's a little bit harder because we never really, you know, see each other face to face. Um, it's a lot of discussion posts back and forth. And then you try to have to, you know, gauge people's personalities from a discussion post. But they were really nice last quarter and uh, very friendly students in my last class. So, No, that's, that's a good thing. And I think one of, the, one of the best, if you can say, outcomes of this pandemic is you can see that once everyone adjusts to the new environment, there's still the same camaraderie. You still see the same connections being made in different chats, different Slack channels. We see students mobilizing, getting together in person when it's safe to do so. So there's still that camaraderie. There's still those relationships being built. And I think everyone, people, humans, they adjust to the circumstance. And if you can't build a relationship in person, you build a relationship virtually. And then when the time is right, then you take it to the in-person level and you meet in person, you meet each other, et cetera. But some have already started doing that. So cool you know i have to look into slack somebody's told me about slack and i just haven't really gotten into it very much so i think i registered for an account but that's as far as i got <laughs> so i'll have to look into that no i think it's really good for instant communication uh for example we use slack for different channels for different elements of the classroom like we have one work in progress channel where students post their work we have different channels for each of the two classrooms. Uh, we have separate channels for, so we, we, already, we put our students in study groups, like four to five people per study group. And that's something we rotate in each classroom and between the classrooms throughout the semester. So they get to know different students, they get to know different teachers. And we do that in person anyway, we rotate classrooms because we all teach the same thing in each classroom. So we rotate students every week or every two weeks. And the channels allow students to develop a different dynamic with everyone. They allow everyone to work together. And it's a nice way to segment, um, to segment uh, you know, different parts of the class. I mean, I'm looking at the Slack structure right now and we have, we have a general channel, we have a lesson outline channel, we have a gifts and memes channel, which is really important. <laughs> we have an inspiration channel. We have like a show, we have a FM channel where uh, students and teachers post their playlists. We have a tech help channel. So everything is pretty structured and segmented and it allows everyone to quickly find what they're looking for, whether it's tech help or a resource or a playlist for their current project that they're working on. Well, that's cool. Okay, so it reminds me a lot of Discord then. It seems similar to that. Oh, okay. It's very, it's similar. I haven't used Discord much. I just used it a little bit here and there for posting some comments or discussions and some creative, uh, some creative gatherings, but uh, there is some similarity, yeah. Oh, okay. So how was the How virtual conference then when you did that during the pandemic? So you did present your ambigram, like a 15-minute workshop. Were you able to interact with people virtually or how did that work? Um, the only unfortunate, well, not unfortunate part, I was working during the day when the conference happened. So oh. even though there was an open room for when the, when the participants were viewing my pre-recorded session, there was an open channel where I could interact with them. And I popped in for a second, said hello and thanked everyone for watching, but I couldn't stay and interact because I was also teaching at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I did pre-record the session. Um, uh, like I said, I went just 40 seconds over. So 15 minutes, 40 seconds, very close. Uh, but I pre-recorded it. I essentially um, shared my screen on Zoom, recorded the whole session. There was just a little talking head of me in the corner. And I went through the pre-cooked pre sketches, the presentation about what, the amber, what ambergrams are. And it came together, you know, it came together quite nicely. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because I love your ambigrams. It's just so amazing how you run with that. And like, I don't know, the things that you come up with, I go like, that's amazing that he worked that out and stuff like that. So, Well, I appreciate you saying that. Sometimes I wonder how I come up with them as well. I don't know if it's sleep deprivation or maybe excessive drinking. Well, no, not excessive drinking. I very rarely drink. But so the way my mind works, it just, I guess it was made to work with letters from that perspective. So I'm very, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, it's been amazing because I've watched through the years you've built the, your career with, um, you published a book, you spoke at different conferences, and you just keep building and building upon that and the teaching at different places and, you know, all the things that you've done and the collaborations you've done. Those were really cool that I've seen on your Instagram and stuff like that with other um, letterers and designers. I mean, it's so cool. You're constantly coming up with new things. I was like... <laughs> Oh, there's the kid doing this. This is like, this is like all the cool kids getting together and doing like cool design work. You know, it's amazing. Nancy, I think we should talk more often because you're very good for my ego. I feel much better about my lettering skills after hearing the kind words. So thank you so much. Um, no, I really love. I really just love what I do, and I love uh, little side projects and explorations. Uh, and I know this is going to be. And I hope any potential future clients don't hold this against me. But sometimes the ability to work on personal projects without the pressure of a deadline is very liberating because you only you don't even have to answer it to yourself. It's fun. It's a fun process, exploration. It's experimenting with an idea. If it doesn't work, you know the client doesn't suffer, their product doesn't suffer. You don't have to answer anyone. You're free to explore and really unleash your creativity. And I kind of like that. But at the same time, I really love getting paid for my work. So I hope my future clients won't hold that against me. Oh, I know they won't because they you do what you do so well i mean if they're they're looking for your you know your particular what you do because you're such a specialist and expert expert at what you do in uh that area of graphic design that i'm just like yeah they're they're hiring you for your skill sets and your abilities that you've oh. accumulated over these years i mean like so um so where are the cool kids you know, you know, hanging out and putting their work out, out these days. Cause as an, you know, it's been years and I'm embarrassed to say where I used to post my work, but like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would actually get work from some old sites, but now I know that they're pretty dead now. So I'm wondering where, where do, where do people post their work? And, ah, uh, well, the cool kids are all hanging out at home in their mom's and dad's <laughs> basement, living, living there and working there and going to school. They're just like I am. I'm in my mom and stepdad's uh, first floor of their house right now. So I'm in the same boat. Uh, but no, the cool kids, there's so many resources out there. And I think every time I talk to a fellow co-teacher, talk to even a student, talk to a fellow designer, talk to anyone who's in the creative industry, I find something new. Uh, Behance has become a really great curated resource for work, for research tools, for job application as well, if anyone is interested. Dribble is a really great website. There's a lot of really good design work here. And it's become a bit more of a, I feel like over the last few years, it's become more of just a gallery of work rather than, um, rather than somewhere where you can post your work and really get a lot of employment from there. But mm -hmm. the amount of talented designers, lettering artists, UX, UI designers, animators, illustrators, it's amazing. So I very frequently go for references there. Um, there's a place called Design Inspiration, not Design Inspiration, but Design uh, Designspiration.com, and that's a website. Can I curate a website? It's in some ways similar to Pinterest. There you can uh, look for work. We can do research. You can use it to put together mood boards. 
you know, I see you're writing it down. I'll be happy to send you a couple of the links that I mentioned. Oh, great. Um, there's, of course, Instagram. There's a lot of featured accounts on Instagram that focus either on, you know, illustration or branding or type design or lettering or very specific niche aspects of the design or illustration field. So there's tons of resources. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I'd be happy to send you a couple of resources so you can publish them for whoever may be uh, interested. Oh, yeah, definitely, because I'll post this um, a little blog mention, and then I'll also... Um, I'm going to go ahead. I can put them in the description box of the actual podcast post. So that would be great. Um, okay. I'll definitely forward a couple of those to you. Wonderful. Yeah. Cause um, things have changed since I was like freelancing. Like it's been so long. It's embarrassing. It's been like 15 years. And I, I used to like take my portfolio, go see an art director, <laughs> do drop offs. I would do a drop off or I would send a mail out a postcard, maybe mm -hmm. in a contest. I mean, and now um, the thing, I mean, I, it's amazing to me, like illustrators are, you know, they tell me like, I just email the art director. And it's like, really? I just, it's so different. The thought of just like, it seems so bold. And I go like, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, out of my depth in that area. Cause I'm so old school. No, you know, I, I'm on your side in that regard. I still have my old physical portfolio, which I had printed. I had all my printed projects. I had some packaging that I brought around. I actually made the custom portfolio from an old artist set. I took out the interior. I kind of lined it with felt. So it was really nicely crafted, and I miss carrying that little briefcase around. Um, but now I have my iPad, which I bring with me, and it's just so much quicker to update, and you can take advantage of various interactive features. So... It's great, but I do miss the tactile feel of a portfolio, kind of taking it out, sorting through it. It was, it was all such a nice part, such a nice tactile process or part of the interview process. But, you know, times change. Yeah, got to get with the times. I feel like an oldie, but I'm, I'm trying to learn new tricks. So I appreciate all of these, uh, these tips and stuff like that. And so, Of course, of course. And you mentioned you went to Australia so to do the speaking engagement that I was just like, wow, you're getting these great, you know, speaking. Um, like, how did you get that? How did that happen? You know, and like, wh what was it like getting to be flown to Australia to do that? I mean... Well, I have small correction. First of all, I didn't get flown to Australia, oh, okay. um, and but uh, that would have been nice. But I'm no complaints at all. Oh. But the way this happened is, I've always been a fan of this conference, and Dominique and George, Dominique started the Typism uh, community and started the conference, and I've been following them for years. And I met them when I was in Australia in 2014, and then I met them when they were here in New York, and I've just kept in touch with them pretty frequently. And I wanted to go to Australia for a long time because last time in 2014 I went with my ex-girlfriend and uh, we stayed with a family but we only went to Melbourne for a couple of days and then the rest of the time we spent in the area where her parents lived which was still it was an amazing visit I loved meeting all the new people and seeing Australia but I didn't get to experience the other cities oh, so I decided um, early early last year uh, let's see I'm thinking maybe January February I decided to book a trip to Australia for the went for the summer break, so in August. And I booked my ticket, I booked all my itinerary rough, roughly, very roughly, and then I realized, oh, I'll be in Australia when the conference happens. So I emailed the founder, uh, I emailed Dominique and said, hey, so, and this was literally my message on Facebook, um, so um, I'm going to be in Australia f during the conference, uh, is there any chance I can do an ambergram workshop? 
And she responded back with this phrase, uh, you want to be a keynote speaker as well. And that's when uh, my heart skipped quite a few beats. Of course, I said yes. And like any true designer, illustrator, creative person, my flight to Australia was spent making last minute tweaks to my presentation, to my workshop. So, of course, I left everything up until last minute, even though I worked on it for months before. Um, but that's, that's how it happened. And then after that, after the conference ended, it was uh, several days, I traveled all over the East Coast of Australia. I went to six or seven different cities. It was, it was an absolute dream. Awesome, because you must have been exhausted after that because the time difference, that's um, a big jump. Like I went to a, a, a virtual um, conference because I wanted to see um, a children's book illustrator, Sean Tan, speak. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't realize when I signed up for it, I was like, it's one in the morning, <laughs> but I held in there and luckily it was like Sean Tan. So I was like, I'm gonna stay up, put toothpicks in my eyes, whatever I need to do so I can listen. So, but that's amazing. Oh, did you do any diving, um, both like scuba diving or any skydiving while you were mm, there? I, skydiving, not so much because it just, I wasn't anywhere near where I could do it. But uh, after the day after the conference ended, I was on a boat in Cairns, which is up in the northern, uh, northern parts of Australia. So it's, what's the bus equivalent? If you think of United States and let's say we are maybe, I don't know, let's say we are in North Carolina somewhere. That's kind of the midway, maybe the midway point of Australia's coast. Cairns is all the way at the top where Maine is and maybe even into Canada. So it's all the way at the upper right part of the Australian coast. And I took a flight there. I went on a boat and I lived in a boat for several days and just scuba dived. Well, that's awesome because I always remember the photos from Australia. The reefs out there are gorgeous. I was like the colors that you get. And I was always wondering, is it, Nikita, are the colors that beautiful? Is it really that gorgeous underneath oh, it is absolutely spectacular and of course it depends on the time of day or night because we did a couple of night dives as well which was a whole different experience in itself mm -hmm. but this is where it kind of gets comes together full circle because you remember you and i met when you were my boss at scuba diving magazine in 2004 okay. and since 2004 i've been drooling over a lot of the photos i was retouching using for the clients i've always wanted to do a live aboard trip where you go on a boat and live and scuba dive and I wanted to get my license. I told myself, oh, I'd get my license, scuba diving license in Savannah. I work for Scuba Diving Magazine. I didn't get my license until 2014. And I didn't get to live, do a live aboard a scuba diving trip until 2000, uh, 2019. But it was worth the wait because it was, it was absolutely amazing. It was everything I could have hoped for. I've always been fascinated because when you work on the ads, you read the articles in the magazine and you're like, it seems like it's such a really close knit group of people that you're on the liverboard experience with. And then the people who actually run the liverboards, they're so nice. They just treat you like your family. Um, Cause I would do some of these ads for, um, they were out in the Bahamas, but they had one of those like stable, like it looked like a, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It looked like one of those tankers, that, but it was huge. And they, and they were so pleasant to speak with and, um, and just talking about their, you know, the trips that they would give. So it was everything you hoped and dreamed it would be. Oh, absolutely. My only regret is I didn't do it earlier. I didn't do it in Savannah. I didn't do it while I was working for scuba diving magazine, but I think I've been making up for my scuba diving since 2014 when I got my license. So maybe a tiny regret, but no regrets since then. Well, where are you going to go next then? Do you have any like a bucket list of places that you want to kind of hit on when you're thinking about scuba diving? You know, it's the same question if you ask to someone who likes to travel or someone who likes to ski. Like, what's the best spot you've traveled to? Or what's the best mountain you've skied at? 
every person is going to give you a different response. And same thing with scuba diving. Everyone is going to give you a different response as to what the best place is. So ideally, I would love to go and scuba dive in Greece among the ruins because that's, it looks like, and that's, that's been a dream of mine since uh, seeing the James Bond movie For Your Eyes Only where they're scuba diving among the ruins. Um, so that's a James Bond connection. Nice. But no, just anywhere where there's good diving, where there's different sites. I want to do, I want to actually go to the Great Lakes and dive in the fresh water. Um, there's also ice diving. You can go to Alaska and do ice diving. So you can do skydiving under the ice or sorry, scuba diving, skydiving, scuba diving under the ice. So there's so many different, um, so many different uh, kind of niches within scuba diving as well. Yeah, just, and, just a matter of time. Yeah. And then they also need to have like some kind of um, typography um, <laughs> conference or graphic design or lettering so that you can also get into with your, you know, professional work, you know, a little bit of business and pleasure, you know, so. Well, they do, they do have those uh, slate tablets that you can carry underwater and write uh, with a marker on. So maybe I can do some lettering underwater. Maybe that's the next step. That would be pretty cool. That'd be sweet. You'd probably pioneer that. I could see you totally doing that. Either that or skydiving and or skydiving and lettering as you're going down. Like you guys all form some kind of typographic new lettering or something crazy like that. That could be fun. I would definitely be up for that. <laughs> so besides doing all these exciting things, how are you managing your work-life um, pandemic uh, balance? Because I found like I've become a work, a bit of a workaholic. I don't know how everybody's different, but how has it been being kind of isolated? I mean, you went from being in New York City, one of the most vibrant, exciting cities to be in, and then you kind of, you kind of have to shelter in place, like in, you're still teaching, doing your personal projects. How are you balancing all that? I think that I can definitely do much better with balance um, because it's very hard to step away from the computer at least you know when i was living in new york there was a breakup of the day with going to grab lunch or going outside or chatting with coworkers or chatting with students so you weren't always glued to the computer and in the morning before work you would go on your commute and you'd go on the commute back so there was a lot of breaking points and touch points away from the screen but now i've had trouble sometimes getting away from the screen because you know, i sign in around 7 30 go through the day, stay, get up for an hour for lunch. And even sometimes during lunch, I sometimes work on my own uh, design here and there. 5.30 or five o'clock, we're done. We have a meeting and then at 5.30, I sometimes do my own work as well. So it's, it's been hard to get away from the screen, but I've been trying to stay fit. I have quite a few kettlebells staring at me right now that I try to work out with at least four to five times a day because you know, having a, going to a gym right now is impossible, A, because they're all closed, and be because of Corona, I probably will not go back to the gym at least for a few years. So uh, been, that's, you know, that fitness and trying to stay regular with that, that's helped preserve my sanity. And in terms of isolation, you know, I have a few friends that I still keep in touch with. Of course, I do some Zoom calls here and there. You know, I, there's a small circle of friends that I hike with once in a while or that I go see uh, just to have a kind of a distance dinner or sit outside. So I do keep some human connection, some interaction that is helping me stay sane. But I definitely miss New York. And as soon as the remote teaching is over, I plan on going back. But um, it's, I'm very happy and grateful to be here because I have fresh air. I have a car here that I can use. So there's a lot to be grateful for. And also thanks to COVID, I've been able to forge some very unexpected connections with people remotely, which is also unusual and may have not happened if COVID hasn't struck. So I know it sounds going to sound very, very horrible of me to say, but even in something as 
awful and tragic as COVID, there's a small silver lining because there's some things that happen that you may not have expected. Oh, that's a good point. That's true. Yeah, definitely. I've connected with people that I hadn't spoken to personally in for years. And then I was like, you know, message them, hey, do you want to do a Zoom call? Like, how are you doing? I want to touch base with you. I want to see, you know, are you okay? You know, and so th that's really true, like, I think. And thank goodness for technology that oh. <laughs> things like this are even, you know, possible to do. Well, well, how about you? I mean, you have a family, you have a child. I I, my hat is tipped to every single parent that is living at home and working and helping teach their kids and keeping an eye on them. So I'm in awe of how you and every single parent out there does it. So how do you do it? That's my question to you because you have probably better tips than I do. Uh, well, it's an interesting place to be in. And my son started ninth grade and he just is really, this is, uh, was not as expected to be, you know, the whole all online and now he is going for a couple days which has helped him kind of get more in line with his coursework but i think it's been um challenging because it's it's just one of those things trying to remember like okay what's due where do we put it and where do we you know where, where do we find that assignment and so learning things like that so uh yeah i mean it's you know we're making the best of it it's like a day-to-day -day situation i just kind of read it and see how his mood is and kind of prod him to like, okay, you still have to get up. You got to go to online class, you know? So, but yeah, it, you know, we're making it work. We are. And the teachers well, have been really responsive. Like I get, they're great. As far as like, if I have questions, concerns, they're like right on the ball replying back to me. So that's, that's helped out a lot. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And like I said, hats off to you and your husband for doing this because it's, I definitely have friends that have, one or two or even three kids and they're having you know it's like i said it's a daily struggle but it's a daily juggle and it's a day-to-day -day gauge of how they're doing because every day can be completely different even though you're at home so um yeah hats off to you uh, you and your husband and all the parents out there for for doing this you know oh well that's kind of you to say that nikita i mean and you understand what it's like especially i think you you sympathize because you're a teacher you're an educator and you teach so many different types of students that you see that wide range, like everybody's situation's not the same. And so I think probably one of the things you just have a little bit maybe more empathy about because you just don't know what's going on in people's lives or how they're affected by this pandemic. Um, you know, so yeah, you kind of, we all kind of have to be, you know, roll with it, be flexible, kind of go with it. No, I absolutely agree. And you know, it's funny you say about empathy. I actually consider that to be my, almost my weakest point as a teacher, whether in person or remote. Um, and I forget that I do have some experience in design. I've worked in it for a few years, but sometimes it's, uh, sometimes we're teaching the foundational basics and you almost forget that for some students, it's the first time they're doing this. For some students, they've never had experience in any of the creative programs or never had to think like a designer so sometimes it's easy to overlook that in the spur of the moment and i find myself having to constantly reevaluate and place myself like i said into the shoes of the students to try to get their perspective and sometimes you know we're all human sometimes i fail miserably sometimes i push a student or uh, too hard or you know they, there's a, some frustration that happens but that's that's a given in any educational scenario in person or remote and it's just a matter of understanding, kind of gauging everyone's different situations, like you said, giving a, gauging everyone's abilities 
and just gauging how well someone can handle certain types of feedback and maybe just varying up how you deliver the feedback or how you explain it so that a different type of student, different personality, different circumstances at home, that all can kind of influence how they receive, interpret it, and how they give it back to you. So uh, it's a constant learning process for me as well, every single day. Like nothing is, nothing, is, uh, nothing is monotonous or the same, that's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely true with teaching, any kind of teaching. And so, yeah, definitely. And this is a question I forgot to ask earlier because I kind of jumped ahead. And so what are you working? Is there anything that you can talk about that you're working on, whether it's like future workshops or um, personal projects that you're doing and exploring for your own work? Well, considering I'm not really working anything at the moment, I'd be happy to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, there's a couple of lettering uh, pieces that I'm exploring just for me, nothing concrete yet. Um, working, I actually started working on a fun personal project. Um, so it's taking the ambergram and applying it to some kind of either sex positive or sex terms and putting it on a condom packaging. So I'm kind of experimenting with that. I guess there's potential for some very cheeky wordplay and an interesting tone of voice and some fun, uh, you know, some fun color use and some fun or some not so fun, maybe some raunchy graphic elements. So I'm kind of having fun with that project quite a bit. Uh, but other than that, just daily experimentation, exploration of lettering, ambigrams, uh, trying to get into illustration a little bit more and patterns. So a little mix of everything. You know, nothing really unusual, nothing secretive, just uh, trying to vary up the skill set and learn and figure out something new every day or every couple of days now. Yeah, because I, I thought some of your ambigrams would be cool on like a face mask. I was thinking would be kind of cool on the fabric from one of those because I was like, oh, I could totally dig that. That would look pretty cool. So yeah. And um, my next question is where can people go to see um, your actual work? Because it, it's very, I mean, I'm watching how you've developed it and you're constantly reworking it, whether it's your website, your portfolio. Um, it's great stuff. So where can people definitely go and see it. Oh, I'd be happy to share that with you. Uh, my website is my first and last name.com. Um, and I think you might have to post that uh, into, <laughs> into the podcast somewhere where people can actually see it rather than me spelling it out. Oh, yeah. um, and then also on Instagram, uh, I'm, I go by type by Nikita. So on my Instagram profile, I post more of my in-process experiments, some fun personal projects, and some design work as well, but mostly for just experiments, sketches, process, uh, some fun uh, little tidbits that I can come up with on the spur of the moment. Um, so those two places are mainly it, my personal website and my Instagram profile. Great. I'll put those in the description box, and they'll also be on the uh, blog post as well, so people can check out the, the work there. Thank you, um, thank you. Of course. And then, oh, some of my um, some of my friends or colleagues have um, mentioned that um, they would like to teach at the college level. So I was wondering, could you give any advice that would maybe shed some light about how they get hired, you know, for a job at the college university level? Oh, I'd be happy to. Uh, the school where I teach right now, it's not a university per se. It's more like a certificate program slash a boot camp. So it's a 13 week full-time program. But when I finished my undergrad studies and went to grad school, I went to grad school partially because I wanted to teach at some point. Mm -hmm. And in most, uh, most college levels, most co at, at most colleges in the United States, most universities, you do need a master's degree to teach. 
And it depends what you teach, but usually it's a master's or a master of fine arts. And ironically, I got that. I finished my undergrad or finished my grad uh, in SCAD, Savannah, which is where we met. Mm -hmm. And then eight months, or sorry, six months after I got back to Connecticut, I was teaching at my alma mater. So I mm -hmm. dove from, under, from graduate studies, six months later, I dove right into teaching. Uh, and that was really useful to get that degree because if I wanted to teach, let's say, 20 or 30 years later, going back to school to get a master's degree when you're, you know, 45, 50 or 60, it's a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. So my advice would be, first of all, go to grad school for the right reasons. Don't go just to get the master's degree because you will probably learn more freelancing or being employed at a design agency or design firm. But if you do want that master's degree to teach eventually, uh, if you have the time and the money and the energy, absolutely go do it because it's much easier to do it while you're still in the early stages of your career rather than doing it later because later on you have, oh, you have family that comes into play, you have children that come into play, you may be working full time, so you won't have, you'll be able to do like one class a semester, which means instead of a two-year program, it becomes like a seven or an eight-year program. So if you have the time, energy, money, and you're doing it for the right reasons, I would say get a master's degree because it's definitely not going to hurt. Um, but if you never plan on teaching, I don't know if a master's degree makes a lot of sense unless you feel like you may not be ready for the design world because a master's degree does extend upon your undergrad knowledge quite a bit. And you can also really refine your actual discipline. You can get a master's in package design, or you can get a master's in branding. So you can really from a general design education undergrad, you can transition to a very niche uh, graduate degree, and that may be helpful later on in the career as well. Oh, okay, that's really good advice. And did it help, like, as far as when you started jumping into um, teaching as a professor, are they looking at, like, are they basically looking at your teaching philosophy, your, your body of work? Is it like, you know, where, you know, your, freelance experience, your graphic design experience, is that mainly where they're looking as well? Well, I think because I was very fresh, I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know, I just graduated undergrad in 2003, and then I was teaching at the end of 2006. Mm -hmm. I didn't have much in terms of teaching philosophy or body of work. I had some working experience, some freelance, some internships, uh, but I think it was also a connection because it was my alma mater. I've known, they've known me since I was 18 and a half. So they've known my good sides and my bad sides. Uh, they knew my personality really well. And they thought I fit in quite well in the department with everyone that was working there. So it was more of a, you have the personality, you have the connection with some of the people that work here, some of the former teachers that are now your coworkers. So you'll fit in that regard, everything else from the teaching, teaching, you can teach someone, how do I phrase this um, accurately? You have to have the right personality to teach, but you can also learn how to teach and how to be an effective teacher. Not everybody, but some, some, won't, some are great designers that could never be a teacher just because of how they work and their personality and their approach to design. I've seen some really great teachers who, has, who have a really, uh, what's, a, what's, a good, what's a good diplomatic tactful word? Um, who have design skills that are maybe not as developed as someone who's in the design field every day but they're such good teachers and they have such a great eye for detail and for design and such a passion for design that kind of makes up for some of the teaching for some of the professional experience. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a balance. Um, but when I was hired, I was definitely hired because of who I knew and not my experience as a teacher, because I had none at that point except one semester. But I mean, you enjoyed it. That was the right step for you to go in and start teaching 
and you've just built on that. You know, I love teaching, absolutely. Um, thinking back on was it the right move for me to jump right into teaching okay. literally six months after graduating from grad school? I don't know if it was, it wasn't the wrong move, uh-huh. but I definitely would have considered uh, freelancing or working for a design firm for a year or two to gain some experience, to gain some perspective and a better perspective. But it's not a regret in any form, in any form or any way. I definitely loved my job teaching at the university level. I love my current teaching job. Because every day can be different, can be new, can be fresh. And by now I've garnered some additional experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to get into my own last bit of advice before I get to oh, no. go off on a tangent. No, is, okay. All right. Uh, so if you do get that teaching degree, you take that year or two to get a master's, uh, definitely take a year or two to get some design and te- some uh, actual design experience, whether it's freelancing, whether it's an agency, whether it's an ad firm, uh, but definitely get some experience under your belt because that will only make you a better designer and it's going to make you a better teacher as well because you'll have a much healthier and much different perspective. Yeah, that's true. And then how it really applies in the professional world and how things kind of, because I, I find in the professional world, things are a little bit more sped up. <laughs> They're kind of needed like yesterday and you're like, okay. And then you just kind of like roll with it. And then if you at work, they're like, you know, I remember one time they were like, oh, well, we need you to shoot a photograph of this product. And this was at the magazine and they were just like, well, we're not going to use, we need it like, we need it for the ad like tomorrow or something like that this week. And we don't have time to have the sense. So you, here's a camera, go, go shoot it. <laughs> you know, you're just like, okay, I'm not a photographer, but I'll do the best I can. I'll rearrange it, kind of try to make it look styled and take some pictures of it. But yeah, things like that always come up and you just kind of roll with it. And, um, and thank goodness for YouTube now, because back in the day, there wasn't really that, um, like the YouTube, the LinkedIn learning and all that. Thank goodness there's all these online resources that you can oh, pull from. Absolutely, absolutely. It's such a, internet can be a curse, but it can also be such a blessing if you know how to use it correctly and not get offended at everything that someone comments on, so. Definitely. Well, Nikita, thank you so much for talking with me this evening. I am so grateful that you would come back and, you know, speak with me. I love talking to my repeat guests. That's been the fun thing because I've been like, man, they've just like done so much in a few years, like with their careers or just life in general and um, all the speaking and the work that you've been producing. I always go like, wow, he's just putting stuff out like gangbusters. I wish I could keep up with it. I go like, I know he's teaching, he's doing all this stuff, but, and then you still have time to have a little bit of fun because I still see your puns every once in a while come through. So, you know, but I've really enjoyed chatting with you as well. And it's, I love keeping up with your illustrations. I've always loved your illustrations. You're incredibly talented. And just seeing your illustration work, you just put up on your website as well yeah. a little while ago. So I love seeing your progress and your work uh, also. So definitely, definitely feel likewise. And it's always fun to come back and chat about design life and any other topic we can think of in, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Well, um, thank you um, for everybody for listening and this is my creative life.